Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Material Podcast. This is episode number 125, and I am one of your hosts, Florence Ion. And I'm your other host, Russell Ivanovich, and we've ditched Andy this week. Woo! Yeah. No, oh. not really. Wait. <laughs> I just forgot we're recording. Oops. <gasps> I mean, we love Andy very much, but he's unable to be here this week. He's on an important assignment. I don't want to say he's doing international espionage, but he's definitely doing international espionage. His whole reporter, I'm a reporter thing, it's just a cover. Well, considering, well, never mind. I'm not going to continue to perpetuate stereotypes about our people and how we are all spies. I'm sorry. Sorry to our people. Our people being Eastern Europeans. Don't get offended, Americans. Yes, please. Um, hey, so apparently you have some listener email that we can just like jump into this week. I'm excited. I completely do. We we talked about the um, the Chromebook last week. It was very exciting. We Sorry, did. I said the Chromebook. I mean the the Chrome OS running Pixelbook. And um, you know, we went through our various thoughts and whatever else. We got a really interesting listener email, which I thought I'd just cover quite quickly. It's from um, uh, Charles. It's quite short. He says, "Love the podcast as always." I mean, that's that's a great way to start an email. If you want to start emails, that's a good way to go. Um, he <laughs> says, "I just uh, I just thought I'd share my strategy for dealing with the limitations of a Chromebook. I simply remote into a Windows workstation." Uh, when I need Windows environment or program, mm-hmm. I carry a Chromebook with me because it's cheap, efficient, and portable, and I can get most of the tasks done that I want to do. But when I want, you know, a powerhouse computer, I've got one at home that I use to render 3D models, um, run VR, you know, etc. And I can easily remote into that uh, from my Chromebook. And he was saying that Google has already uh, recognised this problem and come up with a solution. And apparently, they partner with Citrix. Citrix, sorry, the company. Citrix, yeah. Yep, to offer the whole Windows virtual workstation thing. So I thought that was an interesting solution. Like I didn't even think of that is that like for a long time, you know, Windows and I guess Mac OS as well has it had the ability to to remote in and do stuff. And I guess if you've got some computer sitting at home and you're on a fast network or whatever or you're on the local sort of network, that is a cool way to to occasionally get around the limitations. So if you want to do I don't know, a whole bunch of rendering or I don't know what you do, image editing or something, you could whip out your, your super cheap Chromebook, you know, do it on image the fly editing, and then, then go back to, be. yeah. Um, I need to set this up and do this. I need to set this up and do this. I really do. And just write, I feel like I need to just live it for a day, see what it's like, legitimately set it up so it works fine between my PC at home and the little Chromebook that I have. I feel like I need to try this and really put it to the test. I reckon that would be a really interesting <laughs> exercise and you could report back on a future show with, with how it went because it, it is one thing to get listener emails and we get these all the time for people that find workarounds to things and often the workarounds are really cool and nifty but sometimes you try them yourself and you're like, you know what, this, this is a workaround and it does work but it's, it's a real pain in the butt. Like I wonder where this fits on the amazing hack to pain in the butt scale if that makes sense. Yes, that is a good question. I'm just trying to think about all the situations where... I would need to use this and I feel like I would need a little longer than a day, baby, to really <laughs> understand <laughs> its usefulness. I'm just thinking I need to be far away from home. I need for stuff to be real bad. That's the true test of how something works. Yeah, especially hotel Wi-Fi. If you've ever used not yes. very good hotel Wi-Fi and you've tried to do stuff Trade over- show Wi-Fi is yeah. just absolutely atrocious. Any Wi-Fi at any press room really, which I – I don't understand why they keep doing that to us because I will say actually Google's been pretty good about it the last couple of IOs and this is having 
wired internet out in the 90 degree like hot sun. So it, they're taking a huge risk. <laughs> that, that is providing true. Providing it. Providing all of that, which what happens <laughs> to reporters when they get hot. Um, I, yeah, I found the same thing at the last two IOs, and I believe I, I talked to a few um, of the backstage Google people, and apparently at the amphitheater they're able to roll out their own Wi-Fi. Whereas at a lot of other venues, you go to Moscone or you go to some um, big building sort of owned by someone else. Apparently, part of your rental agreement for being there is you must use our catering and you must use our Wi-Fi and whatever else. Mm. So I know the Wi-Fi at Moscone is is atrocious. Like when I've been there, the Wi-Fi at IO, I was sitting there. When was the first year they had it there? Twenty. 15, I think. 15, yeah. yeah. So, 16, 16. Yep. So I've, I've 16, 15. I've signed into the, the Wi-Fi there, um, you know, at the amphitheater. I'm sitting there. There's 15 minutes to go to the keynote. And I haven't really, really realized, but all the photos I've taken over the last week of, of my trip to like San Francisco have just all 200 of them, including videos, have just like shot up off to Google Photos, like in the space of like a minute. I'm like, wow, that's actual fast internet. You don't normally get that at a conference. Uh, I did just remember, or rather, I just recalled the beautiful little grassy knoll that they set right outside, um, off into like a, a little corner of the venue where there are like picnic tables with umbrellas, like these giant Costco size umbrellas, and then there's just power strips yes. underneath everyone, and it's just like everybody's out in the hot sun. Like three people are sunbathing, and then three other people are hunched over their laptops. <laughs> And now I just miss Google I.O. and But hold on, I haven't even had winter yet. Sorry, I know we're on opposite climates. <laughs> I know. It's a little strange. <laughs> it's I funny here ask, because it's, it's dark where you are, but it's light where I am. Yeah, this, is, this is just I was, weird. I was going to say, so are you in springtime right now? Uh, where? It's autumn? December. No, or, it's wait, not summer, autumn. surely. Summer. It's, wow. No, it's November. That's still spring. I'm always confused. I... It's the opposite of whatever you I can't you help you. So I don't even know. <laughs> you're in fall. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Autumn, fall. Yes. Fall. So autumn. You actually call it autumn now? I didn't know that. I thought it was always fall. So here is spring then. It must be spring. Yeah. Yeah. I it think, was like, um, let me convert this for you. It was 36 degrees the other day. So 36 degrees in Fahrenheit. I know in. that's super hot. That is 96.8 Fahrenheit apparently. So 97, I guess you call it. Yeah. Welcome to Australia. <laughs> Um, speaking of, actually, there's no segue to be made from here. I was just going to go into, remember, I told you last week that I went down to Palo Alto to do something kind of cool and neat. Ooh. Can we find out about it now? Is this, this where yeah, we're going? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's thought you were going to tease us for one more week. You're like, I still no, can't no, tell no, you. No, 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 uh, no. Well, I just, I still am putting the story together, but basically uh, I went down and talked to Rebecca Zavin, the Ooh. VP of software at Essential down in Palo Alto at the at Andy Rubin's Playground, which is uh, headquartered in an old converted Apricot cannery. Apricot cannery. <laughs> yes, in Paul. See, the hidden secret of the Silicon Valley is that it used to be largely land used for agriculture, and a lot of fruit and nuts was grown out there, and it was just like beautiful orchards everywhere. So, a lot of like the cool workplaces that people work in are in like these old converted warehouses of 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 yore. Um, and so it adds to like the cool, like hip California, like work culture aesthetic. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's pretty hip. Please, <laughs> please tell me they were playing that song with the lyrics. Um, peaches come from a can. They were put there by a man. Do you know the one I'm talking about? 
No, I have no idea what you're alluding to. I think it's actually the presidents of the United States that is the name oh. of the artist that actually did that song. It was it was a hit I've here like live. ten years ago or something. <laughs> um, yeah. So I went down there. I talked to Rebecca, and uh, we were talking about the news that actually went out this week, which is that the Essential Phone has uh, now an Oreo beta, which is open to any user of the Essential Phone as long as they're open to using a beta build of Android, which is, I guess, common practice now in these parts um, to do so. I don't have an Essential Phone, so I, but you do, but you do. Now, did you install I did. I actually installed the, the Android Oreo uh, beta from Essential. I will say for anyone who's not uh, developer savvy or a little bit tech savvy, um, it's not as simple as the Google one. You don't go to a page and press the enroll button and a magic over the air update appears. Um, you have to do the old school way, which is you plug it in, you have to have all the developer tools, um, one of which is Ugh. ADB it's called, I don't know, Android yes. Developer something that stands for. Um, you plug it in, you have to reboot it into recovery mode and then you have to type a few commands to actually send the... Um, the beta over to your phone. Um, once you've done that, though, the rest is the rest is fairly simple, and the phone reboots, and you now have Android Oreo. And I've been playing with it um, most of this morning. It's funny there there aren't a lot of differences, like like all the the color schemes that Essential use. So they're sort of green in settings instead of you know Google's blue. Um, that's still there. I, um, I've seen some people on Reddit saying it's it's snappier and whatever else. I I don't really notice much difference. Like it's running Oreo. That's super nice. Um, I haven't tested it extensively though but it it seems to work so yay well so i went down there to have an interview about uh this particular software update and it's going to go up later this week uh at androidauthority.com um i'm still sort of like transcribing through it but one of the things that i had picked out from my transcription process was that we had talked about how development for the camera is you know happening and sort of like its own you know its own path versus like development for the actual operating system like keeping those two things separate makes it so that you know they're equally getting like the time they deserve um and that camera is going to be updated through the google play store so that's where the update's going to come from which makes that easy yeah that's one thing I've noticed about because um, I've had this phone for a few months now. Like the updates for the camera app do come from the Google Play Store, which which is really nice. It's nice not to have to wait for um, operating system updates to to watch your camera improve. Um, there are many differing opinions on whether it's a good camera yet or not. I, I still think side-loading the, the Google one is is slightly nicer. And actually in Android Oreo, you, you get to use a few of the extra features that didn't work previously in the Google camera app because you can't, you can't officially install the Google one from the Play Store because it's not supported so you kind of have to get right. it on there yourself but once you do um i kind of prefer the photos that take so i i'm glad that essential is still working on it like I, I hope they keep going and maybe one day i mean i remain optimistic that maybe one day it gets better than the google one or at least as good well i have not used an essential phone at all but i can tell you that they have a very hip workplace so <laughs> so tell us a bit more about it like i mean you, you walk in there like how many people are in there what's what's going on what's what's the vibe like it is giant. It is giant, you know, like a it's like walking inside of a of a Costco or maybe the equivalent. Didn't you guys have Price Club? 
No, we've got Costco here. I've been. It's Uh, crazy. Yeah. Okay. You know about it. Anyway. All right. So imagine a really giant, like, hip Costco. And you walk in, and the first thing you see is just, like, a nice reception reception desk with, like, snacks and a nice, like, little waiting area with really hip chairs that you can sit on. And then there's, like, security, so you have to, like, check in with people before you can walk through some doors. Um... But it's an open office space and it is, I don't know, it looks like a cool place to work. I just, um, I'm musing about it because, you know, I've been working from home basically the last year and I haven't like been in an office full time in, you know, over a year. So I'm just sort of musing because I, you know, to be honest with you, I kind of miss like going to, you know, (laughs) a big office with like a bunch of people around and just, you know, like people are collaborating and walking around and there's like little meetings, some, you know, little three person meetings happening over there and like some people talking about their plans over here and there's free food. Wow. Free lunch. You have to do free lunch in Silicon Valley. (laughs) Or actually that's not true because actually Apple subsidizes yeah, Apple, food, Apple what doesn't do free lunch. They're one of the few sort of, I guess, more modern Silicon Valley no, companies where you still because, have to pay. Because Steve Jobs believed that it would be wasteful to just like give people all that food because they'll take more than they need and then it'll go to waste and then you're just, you know, kind of a terrible human being. So <laughs> you're not a terrible human being. It's okay. <laughs> what says something about your employees? We're like, we don't trust you not to gorge yourselves and just like leave food everywhere so we're going to charge you for it i'm like yeah okay you gluttonous pigs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've seen where you this goes you have to goes. pay 40 percent for your lunches <laughs> yeah so i mean what's what's your impression of the company as a whole i know this is hard like they, they invited you there for like a press thing but do you do you think they're going places is, is it going to keep improving like what's the future of essential looking like i mean i had my interview with them like in the kitchen where all the employees eat like right before they were, uh, while they were setting up for lunch. And that's very different, like, than meetings I'll have at other places where it's like, oh, let's go into this conference room. Like, we need to keep this very, like, hush-hush, you know? It was just very like, hey, welcome. Here's, like, our open office space. We're all kind of hanging out here, like, working. Everybody here is working really hard, you know? Like, you definitely get that sense because it's super quiet. So it's kind of like, oh, crap, there's a lot of people here working like really hard right now. And I really, like, I hope my shoes don't squeal because it's going to disrupt someone who's, like, in the zone. (laughs) When you walk in someone else's workspace, it's like, hey, what's up, everybody? Whoa. It's a, you know, it's a part of life you don't see for everybody. So anyway. Yeah. um, You know, it's exciting. I love doing that. So that's why I'm always like, hi, I'd love to talk to you. I don't even care if we don't talk about anything. Can I just come visit you and like see where you work and what your life is like on a daily basis and what your employees are up to? I like being able to do that. I like that part of the job. I like being able, I'm sorry, we completely like digressed into me and my (laughs) my experience. It's a fascinating view into like where reporters get invited into and uh, what kind of things they get shown. I'm also really curious if they tried to stage like any employees walking past to be like, how good is that camera app in version 3.6? Yeah, it's really good, isn't it? Well done. High fives as they kind of walk past you like doing your interview. Was there any of that going on? Sadly, oh, no, there was none of that going on. (laughs) It was just, it was, you know, everybody was just hard at work. I don't know what else to say. (laughs) No, I mean, that's that's good to know because this this phone has been like, 
I guess one of the surprise disappointments and one of the surprise hits of like 2017, if you can possibly be both, like this amazing piece of hardware that shipped a little bit late with a ton of bugs, but I guess Essential was really trying to turn it around, like so many software updates. I literally, before I installed the Oreo update, and I only installed some update like a week or two ago, another update was available that was fixed. Um, there was this bug that they introduced. If you left your finger on the fingerprint sensor for a while, it would literally mm-hmm. crash your phone. Like that That was amazing bugs because they'd added the whole thing where you can swipe down your notifications and I guess as part of that they'd made some kind of mistake. So they have really been you know, rocking all the updates hard. I think they still do a fortnightly update on Reddit as well where people can ask them questions and stuff. They're really trying to engage with the fans and move it forward. So it's kind of interesting to see, you know, how this company works and, and where they're going. I think they're doing an AMA next week, actually, um, on Reddit, if I recall correctly, from my press materials. Uh, I have to say, I left my... So first of all, it is worth noting that Rebecca uh, comes from Google. So she had Ooh. spent like... She had spent, I believe, a decade at Google working on the Android side of things. Um, and she... She came over after 10 years and I, it's really like, I have to say, it's really fun talking to people who are like in the same career space as you because it's like, it's like, oh, you just left like, you know, a stable, you know, like big company job, you know, after 10 years, like, oh, I just left a stable, like a bunch of stable <laughs> positions, like, like to go out on my own and see what I could do. Wow. What's it like being at a startup? So it's kind of cool to like sort of tiny bit bond on that. I don't know. It was just like cool to hear her perspective um, on that. But it was also, I walked away feeling this sort of positivity about Essential as a company. Whereas before I was just kind of like, yeah, they're a startup. Yeah. They've got like a couple of like big names that us techies know about, but like, you know, it's just another Android phone. <laughs> it's like all the other ones out there. Um, <laughs> but I walked away feeling like the sense of man, I totally get it. Like everyone is here. There's just sort of like this, I really have to go through my notes and come up with a thesis because I really know that there was just something really profound about um, just the uh, just the passion with which like Rebecca was talking about working. So, yeah, I, don't know. I think <laughs> I think it's funny, like you people might be thinking, oh, Flo's drunk the Kool-Aid, she's been in, they've they've hoodwinked her or whatever. But I think that's a really hard thing to fake. When you meet someone from a, like a small startup like that that's trying to do something cool, it's really hard to fake the passion. Like you can tell straight away, like is this person passionate about their job? Do they believe in the future of where this is going? And if you get that impression like straight away, that's that's a really good sign because there are a lot of things you can fake. You can fake like, you know, this is where we're going to be in five years and our phones are going to be floating with holograms and blah, blah, blah. But if you can see someone's like, yeah, just really excited about their job, then that's that's, that's a good sign. Yeah, it is. I think, uh, and I think that's not something that is really palpable, uh, that is often palpable, I should say. So it's kind of nice. Also, not to like, I don't mean to hone in the whole like, I am in Silicon Valley, but there is like a spirit of being in the Valley that is really, it's, you can really feel it. And I am sorry Again, if that sounds like I've drunk the Kool-Aid, but you have to understand, I grew up here. My dad used to work down there. So I have like this, I don't know, just being down there, everybody kind of like dresses the same. It's a, it's kind of homogenous, but, and the air is kind of homogenous, but it's this sort of like, I don't know. It's, it's, 
it is exactly like the parody that is Silicon Valley on HBO. <laughs> like it is exactly that. Everybody is the same with the same like goals, but I don't know. There's some spirit about it. That's just like, yeah, guys, let's that's change right. the world. We can change things. Gosh, darn it. <laughs> uh, but that's why I live in the North Bay uh, where we are hippies and live off the land. <laughs> Yeah, I've, anyway. I've been to Silicon Valley. I don't know if exactly the hippies living off the land. There's a lot of avocado smashing and other stuff going on. Like it's it's high class living off the land. If, if that's I mean, I something. smashed an avocado yesterday for some avocado toast, but that's because <laughs> I just love smashed avocado on toast. It's a good lunch. <laughs> so I, I had one last topic I wanted to quickly cover mm-hmm. in um, before we go to ad break is the Pixel Two. Are you are you still using the one you have, or have you kind of abandoned it for another phone? Or oh. Oh, yeah, I just bought my third case for it today. Like I've already bought different cases for different like events and and things. Um, I've got a couple cases on my Christmas wish list, which means that I am sticking. I, I don't know what else I would adopt. The the motion photos alone are keeping me on this device. Like I am just so hooked. And if you follow me on Instagram, my stories now are just me stringing together the more uh, dynamic like motion photos I've taken throughout the day. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I'm, I'm amazed by the camera. Like it is a really good camera. I have um, the iPhone X as well and I honestly think it's a better camera. Like I've seen a lot of reviewers say exactly the, the same 10? thing. No, the Pixel, the Pixel 2. Okay. Like I think it takes better portrait photos. I think it takes better overall photos. I'm not saying the iPhone X camera is bad. Like don't don't email me. But I think the Pixel 2 <laughs> edges it out like in a lot of ways, like in low light, in portrait photos, in just – photos in general it just does a nicer job of of every single photo like I've taken on it and I know we have a lot of listeners who are kind of on the fence they're like I'm trying to you know my contract's running out or I'm trying to figure out what's the next sort of Android hotness that that I should buy and I have to say like despite all the negative reviews of the Pixel 2 XL and all the problems that it's had I'd still recommend a Pixel phone especially if you're into the smaller one like I think it's actually the better buy like exactly the same camera hardware in a much smaller case I handed it to my brother the other day he's in this situation he's like um, I've smashed my phone. It's in a million pieces. I've used a smash phone for three months, as I'm sure many people have. He's like, my contract has finally expired. Um, should I get the Pixel 2? And I handed it to him. And he's like, wow, like it's light, it's grippy. He took a few photos and he was really impressed by the, the photo quality. And I think that kind of won him over because he'd re- read some of the tech press and he's like, oh, it doesn't sound like a good phone. But then he'd used it and he's like, yeah, this this seems great. Experience. Guys, it all comes down to experience of the device in the end. Um, did I enjoy the capabilities of the LG V30 while I had them? Absolutely. I love a wide-angle camera. You know, I, I love having a headphone jack. But I don't really miss those things not having them. And being back to the small compact size, I have, you know, I have purchased the necessary accoutrement for um, my what? Pixel 2. I don't know. I just tried to be fancy by saying Bonjour. accoutrement. Uh, I do not speak French, by the way. Of all the Latin languages that I understand, French is the one that I could not. Je parle grasp. français très bien. It's because of the pronunciation. I just, you know, C'est and like the difficile. Romanian, the Spanish, and then the French. Anyway, uh, you know, back to the experience of the Pixel <laughs> 2. When I met at Kirchum Mall, I was talking about, uh, I purchased a couple of dongles and kind of converted like some of the headphones around the house. So like, you know, I, I changed my life to accommodate this phone, but it doesn't even matter because the experience that I've been having with it has made that all well worth it. Like, you know, it's the motion photos. <laughs> They're just so 
It's funny, it's, isn't it? Because it's such a simple thing, but that's the thing that's won you over. Like, there, I think there, there's a few things like that on the Pixel that is like, this is the one thing that's going to win you win you over. The only thing is, uh, it's to be quite honest, I don't want to spend $50 on a case. So I've been buying like all these cheapo $7 ones because like that's my attention span for a phone case. Um, and they make it hard to press the button. So like I'm not using any of the squeezing <laughs> mechanism, but I have a beautiful... I have a beautiful like flower and it's like see-through. So it's like these flowers on the white background and it looks like, it looks super chic. (laughs) I'll try to describe this. It's a, it looks like a sort of clear case, but the entire back of the phone is kind of in this floral, sort of really nice floral print. It looks, yeah, it looks really impressive. And it's super stiff. I like that the camera cutout is not just like a, an oval. It's like a nice sort of triangly oval type thing. Yeah, it's quite nice. Yeah. But you know, like, I'm ordering them from questionable sources because once I take them out of the package, like I just start itching. And so I have to like rub it down with alcohol and do this whole thing. Anyway, (laughs) I refuse to spend $50 on one cell phone case. Okay. I refuse. I cannot believe how expensive like some cell phone cases are. The the other day I went to buy a a case for this iPhone 10 and it's like the leather one is like 80 Australian dollars. I'm like, I'm not paying $80 for a case. Like, do I look insane? Holy moly, you have to really love the smell of leather if you want to pay like $80, (laughs) which I can understand because I mean, I actually, I actually do enjoy the smell of fresh leather, even though it's totally sadistic. But anyway. I mean, I I get it. We spend way too much (laughs) on our tech gadgets and whatever. And if it's a phone you love and you're going to keep for two years, like spend as much money as you want. And there is the, we, we have the saying in our household, cheap, expensive. Occasionally, if there's something you use a lot, it's better to buy the expensive thing than the cheap, cheap thing because you, huh? you'll keep buying the cheap thing until it eventually becomes expensive. So if, you know, you do home maintenance or whatever and you, you do it once a year, I'm like, whatever, buy a $10 drill. Nobody cares. If you're drilling like every single day, then yeah, probably buy the better drill. Like it's, it's, it's going to be better value like in the, in the long run. I'm pretty good about my phone and I don't have it in my hand as much uh, as I as I now just have a dongle that sits in my pocket. So <laughs> just a little dongle pointing out and you, you poke your headphones in and like away. Yeah, you go. well, no, it's not that bad because like if I have a little pocket like uh, like a little chest pocket, I can just like put it in, you know, I can wrap it up and put it in there. Like I've figured out all these weird things and um, my life is great. So thank you. My life with the Pixel 2 is great. <laughs> Thanks for asking. So there you go. We've covered that. Um, We should probably move on. So I want to tell you about our first sponsor. And uh, this week, this episode of Material is brought to you by Squarespace. You can enter the offer code Material at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Uh, Maybe you want to create an online store, you want to create a portfolio, you want to create a blog. Squarespace is the other one platform that lets you do just that. Um, Nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. Um, You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace has got you covered. Uh, They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. And they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And, you know, all they have all these award-winning templates that you can choose from. So you can make sure that whatever website you're setting up for whatever reason can be beautifully designed and can show off your great ideas. Um, so if this sounds like something that's for you, Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. You can get started today with no uh, credit card required. Just go to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code material to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for this show. So we want to thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Now, Russell, I am very curious to hear what you have to say about all of this as a developer of the Android things, uh, or rather (laughs) what to say about our uh, next or our first little news item, um, which is Google's crackdown 
on cool apps that use Android's accessibility APIs. Uh, so originally this week is reported by XDA developers initially that Google was informing developers that if their application uses an accessibility service for any re- reason other than assisting users with disabilities, then they have to remove that app uh, within 30 days uh, or rather remove the use of that permission within 30 days or the app will be removed from the Play Store. Um, Yes. So it sounded very, and I I apologize for butchering that explanation. I don't know why I'm having trouble talking tonight. Um, (laughs) But so what we're talking about here is we're talking about apps like uh, Auto Input, LastPass, Greenify, uh, and Tasker. So these apps sort of take advantage of the accessibility services in a way that uh, advantages you or offers an advantage to the user, but not necessarily, it's not necessarily being used for the reason it was intended, which was to help those who uh, may have impairments that keep them from, um, or may have impairments that require a little help. Yeah. yeah this, is, this is really interesting to me because um, if you're a developer, you've, you've seen this coming for years. Like Google has been cracking down on a lot of stuff since I want to say since about Android 6 um, and 7, they've started to sort of ramp up um, the things that apps can and can't do. So one of the initial things they really focused was on was there's a lot of apps that um, used to set themselves up to do stuff like when your phone booted, um, when your camera launched, of all things, when your camera took a picture, um, when you were connected to Wi-Fi. And sometimes these apps had legitimate reasons to do that and sometimes they really didn't. They were just trying to capture... Um, all these cases because they're like, oh, in case we miss like this particular event, let's just capture this event as well because why the heck not? Like Android lets you do it. There's no particular um, scary stuff from a user point of view. They're like, let's just hook into all these events. And what would happen is you'd open your camera app and like 20 apps would launch and you'd be like, why is my camera app so slow? And you take a picture and 20 apps in the background would be like, oh, the camera took a picture. Let's see what's like in the picture. Is anything you want me to do with the picture? And from a developed point of view, that's great. So much power, so much flexibility, so much like cool stuff. I'm imagining you can do. a bunch of minions like all popping up, like, hey, hey, what can I help you with? Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, it was like clippy. I noticed you've taken a picture. It's, oh, yes. You need some help. But the problem is, from a user point of view, if you had any phone that, uh, you know, wasn't the, the latest and greatest, like, you just be like, oh, why's my camera app sluggish? Like, why's my phone like take forever to do this? And it wasn't super obvious that maybe you'd got yourself into this mess because Google had allowed you to, to sort of walk into this without really knowing. Like, the, the whole permissions thing has been, you know, a long time coming. Anyway, Google's sorted a lot of that stuff out. Now your camera launches fast. Like they've sort of fixed all that. Apps no longer get to, to do certain things. And this feels like the next stage of that where Google's had all these super cool accessibility um, APIs. So you can go in and you can say, yep, I want, for example, Tasker to have permission to, to do all this stuff. And then Tasker's like, cool, anytime one of these things happens, like I'll listen for it. But what it also means is if an app wants to be a little bit malicious, it can be like, hey, I'd like to listen to every single key press you make on the system, including when you're typing in your passwords and stuff. And, I mean, you can see where I'm going with this. That's that's a little bit concerning, as are some of the other permissions. So it's this really weird place we're in where I think Google's doing the right thing, but the problem is they didn't do the right thing like four or five years ago. So now it's it's a really hard thing to reverse. Like they're having to go to all these app developers and say, you know what, like all these things you're doing, I know some of them are are useful to users, but some of them really aren't and maybe you should stop doing them if that makes sense. So I think overall my impression is this is a good thing, but there is going to be some negative consequences in the short term. Like maybe your favorite app that you really love that does some amazing accessibility thing might not be able to do it anymore in the future. I mean, do you think that's, that's a concern, Flo? 
Yeah, I think it's a concern. I'm just thinking about all the like silly little IoT things that I have, you know, sort of set up in the past with apps like Tasker, which is primarily what I use it for. And like, I generally don't get that down to the nitty gritty when it comes to those things because you know, it's just for my own sake. Uh, but I know that some people really rely on that stuff to sort of like get around maybe what some companies don't, some third party companies don't offer. Uh, you know, people really enjoy that. But I also feel like it's such a small subset of users that I think eventually they will understand, you know. I feel like eventually Tasker will find other ways to sort of keep those people around. And I feel like those people will understand that this is just for the greater good of the operating system. We want all this stuff to stay, to to stay balanced and to work well. And we want our devices to work well. And I love what some of these uh, apps do. And I think maybe... Maybe it just requires that there's more people at Google who are vetting these apps and allowing them to have particular access versus just everybody. Um, Again, I know it's hard because we've been talking about the (laughs) open Google Play Store, this open ecosystem, and now we're talking about closing it. Uh, But, you know, change change is difficult, uh, but eventually maybe you get used to it, especially when you see that things are better for everyone else and the greater good. So I don't know, maybe consider that. <laughs> and I think one of the, the most positive ways Google can make this change is, for example, in the case of LastPass, like with Android um, 8.0 Oreo, now there's a system-wide like autofill feature that you can say, like LastPass is my app that does that or 1Password is my app that does that. And I like, I like the way they've done that. They're like, please don't do this accessibility thing anymore, that's bad. Here's a brand new set of APIs that are, that are actually much better for both the user um, and the developer. So now the developers of LastPass, and yes, I know you have to upgrade to Android 8 and there's a little bit of a weird um, sort of gap in between, but now the developers of LastPass can go, hey, we want to be your autofill provider. And you know what? Now it's actually way more convenient than us listening for like every single tap and click and button press because this is more secure, this is faster, it, it doesn't sort of lag your system out as much. Like I like it when the transitions have that kind of story. I know not everything they're cracking down on will, um, there'll probably be some things that Tasker can't do anymore and I'm sure there'll be people annoyed by that. But I think overall, as long as they provide alternative, you know, more precise APIs for all the things these apps need to do, I think that's good. That That's going to be a good thing for, for users and developers. I think it's going to be a great thing for the user experience. <laughs> <laughs> it's the user experience, you guys. Well, that's, you know, that's exciting. Uh, shall we jump into our next sponsor of sure. the show today? I'm, I'm excited because it's a new sponsor, brand it's new. It's a new sponsor. We have a brand new sponsor. This episode is also brought to you by Eero, so that you never have to think about Wi-Fi again. Eero have created the dream Wi-Fi setup. It offers a fast, reliable connection throughout your house and even all the way out to the backyard. And now it is the best time to get on board with Eero as they've just released their new super slick second generation devices. So Eero have now introduced their tri-band second generation model along with the Eero Beacon, which allows you to build a Wi-Fi system that's perfectly tailored for your house. This lets you do more than ever. Whatever your Wi-Fi needs, Eero has the power to blanket your entire home in fast, reliable Wi-Fi. It sits flat on any surface. Just plug it into the wall with the included power adapter and you're ready to connect your Eero either with Ethernet or wirelessly. The new Eero also includes a new thread radio, which lets you connect to low power devices such as locks, doorbells, and more in the smart 
connected home. Eero is also introducing the new Eero beacon as well. Just plug it into a wall and expand coverage into any room. You can add as many Eero beacons as you want, so as long as you have an Eero device. It even includes a built-in LED nightlight with ambient light sensor. And the Eero app lets you manage your network from the palm of your hand. You can also easily create and share a guest network as you need. And the Eero customer support is amazing. You can call and get a hold of Wi-Fi experts in just 30 seconds. The new Eero system starts at $399 for one second generation Eero and two beacons. And that's everything you need to get started. Listeners of the Material Podcast can get free overnight shipping to the US or Canada when you head to Eero.com and use the promo code Material. That's Eero.com with the promo code Material for free overnight shipping. We thank Eero for their support of the Material Podcast. Yay, thank you, Eero. I will say, in all honesty, if you if your Wi-Fi setup at home is like four or five years old, it's time to look at the alternatives, like whether it be our sponsor here, Eero, or would it be some of the other sort of mesh networks available because I did this in my house and it, it makes a huge difference. Having wi- fast Wi-Fi just makes everything so much better. So if you haven't looked into it, definitely do. So, Russell, have you had a chance to look on the internet and maybe, oh, I don't know, read what people have been writing about the Pixel Buds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, Flo. I don't know if, if there was an embargo or people just got them all delivered on the same day, but there was a lot of reviews posted about the Pixel Buds. I was trying to come up with a good joke about have you got the Pixels Bud, but it just it doesn't. It does, really doesn't work. So I'm just going to ignore that and I'm going to say, yeah, I read a lot of these, Flo, and um, <laughs> the, the impression, shall we say, has not been uh, positive. I wouldn't say it's extremely positive. Let's start with some of the headlines, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> yes, uh, we should. Let's see. So um, the review from Wired is Google Pixel Buds. In your ears, Google earbuds work beautifully, but it takes way too much work to get them there. Uh, so that's Wired from Android Police. Uh, it's a hard pass. Uh, yeah, that was funny. Just C-name. pass. It's like, oh, wow. Yeah, just pass. Uh, CNET has complaints about how hard they are to pair, which are about the same complaints on par with Wired. 9to5Google, they posted their 24-hour impressions, which were kind of like neutral. They weren't like super bad or super... They weren't super down on it and they weren't super up on it. It was just kind of like, hey, they're new. Uh, They're a new thing. New kids in town. Uh, Gizmodo's headline is Pixel Buds aren't even close to being good. Damn, Gizmodo. And TechCrunch says a disappointing debut for Google's Pixel's Buds. Um, I don't know if you get this impression, dear listener, but <laughs> there's a lot of people out there, reviewers I should say, that don't like the Pixel Buds. And I- I've been asking around a whole bunch of friends as well who I'm like, have you got these yet? And they're like, oh, they're shipping or whatever. Have you got these yet? I'm like, no. I, I found one or two people that um, that had got them and I asked them like, hey, what do you think of these reviews? And they they all pretty much said, you know what, they're not terrible. Like they work as a pair of earphones. They they do all the things they say they do. But I've had a few people say they're not that comfortable in your ear. That, that loopy thing that it does is a bit sort of hard to to get used to. Um, the whole assistant translate magically feature that is built in is a little bit awkward to use. I don't know if you've, uh, neither of us have them flow, but I don't know if you've seen um, all the reports that apparently when you want them to translate something, the first thing you do is you open Google Translate on your phone and you hand it to the other person, which I'm like, if you're in another country talking to some random stranger, that that is a really weird way to start. Yeah. I, w- I was hoping for the Star Trek 
fancy communicator future. And I don't mean to be that person on that podcast, but like, <laughs> I really don't want to hand my phone to anybody else but me. It is my phone. It is my property. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how I mean, I feel if we if we start from the beginning. So a, a lot of the reviewers had complaints about the pairing process, and I think. Part of this is just the confusion about um, what different devices support. So if you're not on Android 6.0 or above, you can't do the fast bearing thing, for example. So you can open and close that case all you want. Not a lot's going to happen. Um, if you are after that, in theory, you just open the case um, and suddenly the phone pops up and says, hey, there's some things nearby. Do you want to pair with them? But the problem is once you've done that, um, let's say you have a second device. So you've got a tablet or you've got a Chromebook or you've got you know, a laptop or whatever. You're like, how do I pair this? It starts to become really complicated to figure out how do you transfer the pairing to like a different device. That's not user-friendly. I just don't <laughs> think that's user-friendly. That's really confusing. And I know maybe this like, well, no, forget it. I'm rolling back on that. I was going to say, oh, I know these Pixel Buds aren't for everybody, but they are for everybody. I'm starting to see all the Pixel 2 commercials and all the new Google commercials like coming across on television, on cable, um, on channels I never thought I would see a Google commercial, mind you. And, you know, that's the crowd. That's the demographic that uh, these Pixel Buds are being marketed to. And the fact that they're confusing to use is not, it does not bode well, you know, and there's no like giant conspiracy where everybody's getting together and going, hey, you know what? We should really say this about the Pixel Buds because that's going to like make sure that just Google doesn't <laughs> do this better than Apple because that just is not possible. That's not, none of that is happening here. What's happening is that, you know, this is Google's way of saying, hey guys, Apple had those buds that you put in in each ear, but we've got these little things, these little buds. They're not individual buds. They are your buddies, and this is how they're supposed to work. Uh, and you know it's awkward. It's an awkward way to come out of the gate, and I get it, and it's okay. It's an iteration. It's, um, it's definitely a work in progress. I am never, ever expecting, and I'm sorry to say this, but I am never expecting something right out of the gate from Google HQ to be absolutely perfect upon arrival. Because I always know that Google is a company of iterations. And I know that in several iterations, just as the Pixel 2 has once again made me enamored by the promise of the Google way of life, so I believe that the Pixel Buds Maybe the Pixel Bud 3s will be something, <laughs> you know, a little better. They'll be more comfortable. They'll not be as, I just can't get down with that thread. Just not into it. Yeah, that's, um, that's a tough one, isn't it? Because uh, when the Apple AirPods came out and they were whole like, oh, there's two separate things. I know they weren't the first ones to do it. Like Motorola made some, Sony made some. Everybody's making them now. Um I was looking at them, I'm like, you're going to lose those in like an instant. But having used them, I'm like, it's actually really convenient not to, sorry, really convenient not to have any sort of wire, which really surprised me because I'm a huge wire fan. Like I, I love plugging stuff in. I even love when you're Wires jogging. Are dumb. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is even having the wire over the back so that if your headphones fall out, they're still there. I'm like, these are great things. But then you use some headphones that don't have wires and you're like, this is actually really liberating. I, I'm not a shield or anything like that. I, I really think it is. Like it's it's just really amazing to take out two things, put them in your ears and go jogging or cycling or even just walking, whatever it is you're doing. It It is quite cool. And the other thing is it's actually really easy to get them back into the case as well. The problem with the Google Pixel Buds is 
because you have this wire, you kind of have to place them into the case. You have to make sure they sit just right and then you have to wrap the wire around and back in, which I get it. You can get used to all this stuff. You can make it work for you. I'm sure there's still a decent pair of headphones at the end of the day, but there's just a, a ton of little things like this that you're like, like you say, Flo, like maybe version two and version three will just, just make this infinitely better. Well, version three, I would hope, won't have threads at all um, because that's how I envision my future using a feature like the live Google Translate feature. That's how I envision we would be living as humans on this earth with that sort of feature being like available for us to use uh, in our interactions, not this clunky, hey, mate. Here is my phone. Do you mind holding this? Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying because the only language I speak is English and you don't understand it? Boy, this sure is awkward. Like that's, listen, it's supposed to be seamless and it's not seamless. So it isn't your time. It's fine. Good for you early adopters who have bought it. Like that's great. If you end up not liking them, the good news is you can always put them off on a family member. There's always a family member out there who will take it. I because I am assuming if you bought Pixel Buds, that I'm just assuming, and I'm sorry for assuming that those who did just like it's it's a you know because like they're Pixel Buds, you don't know anything about them. <laughs> what do, I mean, you're right. There is the certain kind of fan, and I, I would say I'm actually one of those people who buys things. I guess what would you call it, sight unseen? Like I did. Yeah, no, I do too, and yeah. I'm copying to it, and it's totally fine <laughs> if you buy things like that. But I'm assuming that the Pixel Buds are one of those. They fall into that category because if you're like really serious about getting sport headphones, like you're looking at these, like these Bose Sound Sport. You're like, oh yeah, I know Bose. Like, oh, they're rubbery. Oh, that's perfect. I'm gonna wear those for marathon running. You're not going to like store.google.com and going. Oh, wow, look at that. Google started, uh, you know, foray into audio. Hmm, I should wonder, should I, like, buy these? Like, no, you're buying this because you want (laughs) to translate Bulgarian. Like, I get it. That's awesome. But I'm not there yet because... Yeah, no, I'm definitely with you, but I I do like the fact that they're getting close. I don't know this this sounds like a cop out, but honestly, it's not. Like I like the fact that if you really want to live in the Google universe, like the the very depths of the Google universe, you want mm-hmm. to be surrounded in all things Google, you can now buy a Google branded phone. So you've got the Pixel 2 or the XL to choose from. Has a G on the back, you know, thumbs up. It does a whole bunch of things that other phones potentially don't do. You can buy a Google branded pair of headphones that will do extra things with your Google phone. So you're kind of you're in that Google e- ecosystem, you're living the life. Um, you can buy, you know, the, the Google Home, the the Google Max, or whatever the new speaker is called. Like you can you can surround yourself in Google stuff, and you do get extra features. Like I'm I'm of the belief that that's okay. Like I'm not all about like oh you should never have lock in and you know whatever. When you get things that have the same brand on them, you do get better experiences. So I like that Google now has something in each one of these categories. They've got the phone, they've got the headphones, they've got the speaker, and I'm really excited to see where that goes. I'm I'm like you, Flo, I might give these ones a miss, like 159 US dollars for a version one. I'm like, you know what? I have money, but I don't I don't need to throw away my money. Let's just, let's just wait I for feel. the next one. Especially because I, uh, I foresee, I am not sure which smart speaker that I should get for people for the holidays. The Max. Like I'm having... The Max. No, it's quite it's expensive, too, though. It? It's it's quite expensive, and it's it's really big. And I've I've got like review units galore coming with like Google Assistant as the like from third parties, and you know they already sound pretty great. So, <laughs> you know, 
I mean, I'm a, I mean, come on, Google's not an audio company. I'm not gonna, you know. Yeah, no, no, no I'll grant you that. I mean, the Go other cool thing audio is, company. <laughs> is, if you think about it, in the Apple ecosystem, right? You get to pick the Apple stuff or nothing because there are no yeah. other phones. There are basically no other headphones that'll work probably with that, apart from the Beats ones. Um, the cool thing about the Google ecosystem is there's a ton of other stuff you can choose from. You don't like these headphones? Buy some other ones. You don't like their particular speaker? Buy another speaker that has the Google Assistant built in. Like that, that is a huge thumbs up for me. Yeah, the JBL Link ones that uh, I review the Link 20 for digit.com. That's D-G-I-T, by the way, if uh, you're curious to see it. And they sound great. They have they come in three sizes, so whatever you need, um, a really big one included, uh, which has like a bigger amp and all that. But, you know, back to the Pixel Buds, again, I really agree with you. I think it is time that we lean into the idea of Google just driving this beautiful ecosystem for us to live and bask in. And I'm down with it. I'm absolutely down with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. Um, you'll have to give me a link to that so I can put it in the show notes. Like, it's funny, I, I tried to glue, uh, Google. I tried to Google. I tried to Google your name and you are all over the internet. Look, there's articles by Florence Iron on PC World, Ask Technica, Android Central. And then I came down to Chef Tyler Florence teaches you how to cook. I'm like, hmm, probably not Flo, but you never know. Could be. <laughs> that guy's always co-opting my name. <laughs> <laughs> Where are my royalties? Let, let's say some of the listeners are um, kind of looking to, to splurge, you know, around Christmas time or, or the holiday season, I guess. What is there a particular speaker with Google Assistant that you recommend or is the jury still out on that one? Hmm. Okay. I will say aesthetically, if you want to lean into like the, I know I use that. I use that a lot. I'm sorry. I was using it like satirically for a while and now it's just become like a uh, connecting uh, connector for me. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> just lean into <laughs> Off it. Track lean into it. Off track tonight. Off track tonight. Leaning into that. Okay. So if you want to just go into the whole like stylish California tech, like get a Google Home, just do it, bring it into your house. Uh, odds are it's probably going to fit in aesthetically with what you have in your house more like if you and I mean this honestly okay you know I'm not saying this because we're shallow people I'm saying because we like things to match in our house it's our dwellings I get it the JBL ones are a little more like sporty kind of like college dormy um, or you know like teen room sort of thing (laughs) so and kind of same with like the Google Home Mini because they're like super cute and small So, I mean, just like go out there and shop and see. I haven't used anything beyond those. So I haven't used, like, I think Sony has one. And I think there's another one that has Google Assistant built in, but I don't know what they look like. Um, I feel like if you go to a Best Buy, you could probably hear one play music. In yeah, that's true. They have a lot of, lot of that stuff. There's still up. brick and mortars that do that. <laughs> in Australia and Europe, you probably have slightly less choice, but I'm sure they're in some of our stores as well, like to check out. Yeah. Either way, it doesn't matter. Like if you buy a Google Assistant smart speaker from Google or a third party, like it works the same either way. Um, but I, that's not really the case for Google Assistant built into Bluetooth headphones, which is unfortunate. So I believe it's the QC35 version 2 or yeah. whatever has it and then not much else. Yeah. So it's kind of a bummer. Like there's a little bit of fragmentation in that sense. Um, I don't know. I just think that if you are trying to bring the gift of Google into someone's home this year, you are, you've got a lot of choice. 
this holiday season. And that was exactly the ploy that Google had was Christmas is coming. Our stuff is cute. Put it under the tree. It's going to be super cute under the tree. Like everything down to the packaging. I I see it. I haven't thought I'm about blurred. it. You're dead on. And a lot of the stuff is quite cheap as well. Like Google Home Mini. Look, at it. it's so small. It's so mini. It's on sale in the United States, actually. Um, so wow. what they're going to do is offering a special, I believe it's like $30 off. And then if you buy it like through a specific store, I think you get a gift card through that store. I forget who it is and I'm sorry, but if you do a little Googling, <laughs> I'm sure you can find the deal. Uh, and then the Google Home, the regular one is also going to be on sale with that same like deal where you get some cash back. So the incentives are all there to kind of like get people to do this. And, you know, while we're on the topic of the holidays, it's going to be like, you've got a lot of great choice. If you're looking to bring home some tech, I don't want to like, we don't have to sit and like sit here and go through a list of things that you should spend your money on. You have the Google after all. Yes, true. You, there's plenty of sites that do that. Uh, but I can say that this is the time to buy it if you're looking just to like try something new. You're looking to just kind of like check it out. This is the time to buy it. There's a lot of deals. <laughs> Spend that money, dear listener. And Flo, this is the worst transition ever. And I apologize to all our listeners in advance, but you're going to hear it anyway. Speaking of wrapping things for the holiday season, we should... Wrap up wrap this things up. show. Oh, God, sorry. I did it and it sounded even worse when it came out. What of kind mouth. of wrapping paper would you like, sir? Would you like butcher <laughs> paper and then I can wrap it in a nice like red twine or perhaps you would like to go with a more seasonal glittery wrapping paper? No, no, I, I, I want that scene out of Love Actually where um, Mr. Bean, I've forgotten his actual name, is trying to get that, that package wrapped and he's just taking forever and the guy's like, I'm in a Some hurry. Some <laughs> Just one moment, moment sir. <laughs> Uh, I love Mr. Bean, by the way, and I make no <laughs> excuses for that. What's and I hope that name? comedy like that lives on to the, into the future because I feel like we don't have comedy like that anymore. Ah, oh, Mr. Bean, so good. What's his name? I can't. Find, it's really Google. We should, what? There's no Google cards. You just Google Mr. Bean. There's no like this is who he doesn't he is. have his own what? Google card. This is an atrocity. <gasps> Trust me. Fix that Google before next week. Get Mr. Bean his own Google card. Rowan Atkinson. There's the name I'm looking for. Thank oh you. Oh my much. gosh. Well, we're terrible for that. Knowing that. Um, Sorry, but the Mr. best Atkinson. way. Yeah, we we really apologize, but uh, but we have to wrap up the show. So, Russell, where can people find you on the internet if they want to know more about you, or you know, they want to fight you to the death in a game of Scrabble? I'm sorry. Wow. I put I put you up to that. Fight me to the death. I'm not that good at Scrabble, so I have a feeling that probably only get one or two I games. To be in. really dramatic. I'm sorry, I went in that <laughs> no, I direction. Like, I like it. I really like it. The thing is, like, I, the, the other thing I like about it is because I'm so terrible at Scrabble, there'd probably be only one or two games that you'd be able to participate in before I'd actually be dead because it's a Scrabble game to the death. And so, you know, you've you got to get in the fast. I'm so, so sorry if, I said to the death. <laughs> I regret it. No, I like Instantly. it. It's just a, but the work of a moment, Flo. Just a little bit of rosemary. Um, so you can go to twitter.com slash Rusty Shelf where um, this week, unfortunately, you'll just find me complaining about Xcode. I, I need to find something new to complain about. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll bring some more Google stuff into my life and then complain about that. So seems like a plan to me. Well, this week on Twitter, I am on Twitter at oh, that Flo, uh talking about uh, how I... I helped a, a visually impaired person see today through an app. Wow. That's pretty cool. It's that is pretty cool. Me my eyes. 
Um, if you want to like help, if you want to help people who are visually impaired, like go through their mail and stuff and you have like the time for it, you don't even have to answer the call, by the way, check it out. It's free. It's in the play store. Um, elsewhere, just follow me on Twitter. Cause I, that's the best place to find me. <laughs> uh, Thanks, everyone, for being here with us uh, on this Andy List podcast. But we will be back, the three of us, next week. So until then, toodle-doo and have a fantastic weekend.